The Holy Gospel according to the 13th chapter of Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, from whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you all and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I would guess that this gospel story is a favorite among many. Who doesn't love hearing Jesus crush his opponents, right? And who hasn't at one time or another felt like a little like this bent-over woman, a victim of religious stupidity? We can name all ways, we can all name ways religion or the church have made us suffer in some way or another that have nothing to do with God. Uh, from, you know, your stand-up, sit-down worship service that everybody loves to complain about, uh, to bad hymns, to maybe that occasional oppressive Sunday school teacher. My father is still indignant that Bible camp was not as much fun back in the 50s as it is today, and he loves to complain about that. Religious oppression sometimes can be quite, you know, kind of a fun topic when it's light but other times very serious. So it would be easy, easy to preach a sermon on Jesus' power that frees us from religious stupidity, and that would probably be the right thing to do. But for whatever reason, today I would like to focus more on my brother in vocation, the leader of the synagogue. These types of guys in the Gospels hardly get enough attention positive attention, to be fair. The Gospels treat them, along with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the priests, like the cowboy wearing the black hat in the old westerns, right? Or better yet, uh, like the police in Dukes of Hazard, right? They are the cooters of the Bible. They are always the bad guys. As soon as, as soon as it is mentioned in any story that there is a religious leader present, you know that controversy is on the way. You can smell it. You cover your eyes with your pillow, just watching out for it. And these are my brothers in vocation. 
So I hope this doesn't sound too unbiblical, but they couldn't all have been that bad, could they? Right? Especially this guy, the synagogue leader. Was he really, really that bad? Well, what's going on here? Jesus was in the synagogue, the place of worship. He was there on the Sabbath, the worship day, the holy day of rest. He was teaching, as he often did, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. And he sees this woman who had been crippled, um, bent over for 18 years with illness. Um, She was unable to stand up straight, as the text says. And so Jesus takes the initiative. He simply calls her over to him, and he says to her simply, Woman, you are set free from your ailment, laying his hands on her. And voila, she stands up straight, and she praises God, you know, in a a posture that we think of in terms of praising God, uprightness. Then the leader of the synagogue shows up, right, with his foot in his mouth, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, but not on the Sabbath. And he doesn't just say this once to the woman or once to Jesus. He keeps on saying it over and over again uh, so everybody can just simply notice how ridiculous he is. He won't shut up. The story says that he is relentless in telling everybody this. Come on any other day but the Sabbath like pounding a sledgehammer over the heads of his flock. He keeps on and keeps on. So this guy is quite bad, I'm sorry to say. So Jesus takes up the challenge. He argues back against him. He points out how hypocritical this guy is and other religious leaders who on the Sabbath still take their livestock to water so that they can live. Why not this woman? And Jesus wins the argument. He You know, power slams this guy down with his religious reasoning. Jesus is the hero. So why in the world would the synagogue leader, my brother in vocation, respond to this guy or to Jesus and to this woman in the way that he did? You know, it's it's well known that keeping the Sabbath uh, was a big deal, right? It's one of the Ten Commandments. It reflects the belief that when God created the heavens and the earth, God created only for six days, and then on the seventh day, God rested, right? It reflects that that strong fact that the Israelites were overworked slaves when they were slaves in Egypt, and that when God liberated them from Egypt, one of the greatest gifts that God gave them was the command to rest one day out of seven, that that is how free people live, right? They're slaves no longer. They're free. Therefore, they should rest one day out of seven. It was such a big deal that in Exodus chapter 35, the Bible says that punishment for breaking the Sabbath is actually public execution. Keeping the Sabbath was serious business. It was actually a wonderful sign that these people belonged to God, to the Lord. But it was also well known that doing what were called acts of mercy on the Sabbath was not a violation of the Sabbath. And this is exactly what Jesus did, simply an act of mercy. He was saving this woman from something, a spirit, the story says, that had been crippling her for 18 long years. Jesus broke no law here. He was doing an act of mercy on the Sabbath. So what in the world is up with this synagogue leader? 
Is he simply ignorant of the mercy rule? Does he momentarily forget it? Does he feel upstaged by Jesus? Is he just asserting his power to remind his flock who's in charge? You know, who knows what's going on in this guy's head? But I know this, and that is that there is something about the law which is incredibly attractive, maybe even seductive to humankind, such that the law naturally blinds people to its actual God-given purpose and becomes an end in itself. What I have found uh, personally is that the law becomes a tool for me to feel in control and for me to have some power that makes me feel good in a way. I think this is part of the experience simply of being sinful and being part of the broken creation. So in a way, right, in a way, we should sort of feel sympathetic to old Cooter, the synagogue leader. He's our man, right? He's at least my man. I think particularly religious people fall prey to the allure of the law the easiest. Maybe religious groups, too. There's a certain righteousness felt in having a law that is given to us by God. That righteousness is flattering. It makes us feel really, really, really special. And to be sure, that law teaches us how to live. It provides families and communities with boundaries that promote order and health. The law often is there to look out for people who are often too weak to look out for themselves. It provides a check and a balance to those who are in power. But that is only when it works like it should. Unfortunately, it's rather easy to abuse the law. Interestingly enough, one of the, um, one of the big parts of the Sabbath law way back when was um, all the laws about um, that there was no, to be no food preparation on the Sabbath, right? You couldn't even kindle a fire in your house. There was to be no food preparation on the Sabbath. Clearly, clearly it was women who benefited from that, right, back then. During, during the re regular grind of the other six days of the week, women were madly busy preparing meals for their family. In a day when there was no refrigeration, there was no gas, there was no electricity, that was, I imagine, a huge chore. I remember growing up and having these huge and wonderful Sunday Sabbath dinners at my grandparents' house. Well, guess who prepared it, right? Sweet grandma did. And guess what the men did while she was preparing it? right? What'd they do? Y'all know. Watch football, right? Some of us enjoyed a Sabbath, right? Some of us did. The law is often intended mostly to protect those without as much power. But when we get a hold of it, we work it, we manipulate it in our favor, in our favor, in order to maintain control and comfort. We take the specialness of feeling the law has been given to us because of our faith, and we take it one or, one or two steps too far. And so our friendly synagogue leader is truly a gift to us. He is a mirror for us, 
showing what we will eventually do with the law when we get our hands on it. For a while it will work, but eventually it will be our ruin, and Jesus will have to come to us and say, you hypocrites. So dear friends, if you need to hear this story telling you that Jesus frees you from health problems, then may Jesus pour out on you all of his healing and all of his wholeness. And if you need to hear a message of liberation from oppressive religious systems through this story, then may Christ tell you that you are no longer bound by abusive, life-robbing religion. But this morning, what, I wonder what it would look like for the synagogue leader to be set free. How would the story have turned out if the story kept on going and the synagogue leader repented? He could not have been living in a life of delight and happiness, right? Think of his misery, finding ways to keep sick people sick, fearful of God's healing power. What if he just let go of that need and gave it to God? The grace of Jesus sets us free from our need to control others so much that we strangle them. The grace of Jesus says, you are forgiven, now you can let go. And Jesus himself says to his beloved church, the religious people, you too are free. You don't need to have control. Live in the joy of my grace and live in the delight of bringing life to others. Amen.